Marini's Media. Totally Football Show Summer Special. Today, Champions League. Man City Real Madrid at the Etihad. Varane plays like a Karen as City march into the quarterfinals. Awaiting them there, Leon last date with Depay, like you on your diet. But having knocked out Juventus, how big a challenge will Rudy Garcia's men be for City? And is it Sarri not Sarri now for La Signora? We'll be discussing all that and more in this Totally Football Show Summer Special in association with Paddy Bauer. Hello, listener, and how's your Saturday morning? Joined here by Alvaro Romeo. Hello, guys. Hello to you, Alvaro, and also Duncan Alexander. Hello. It's Friday night for us, listener, I'm not going to lie. We've just emerged reeling from two last 16 matches of extreme intensity and high emotion and drama. We'll also be hearing a little bit later on from Raphael Horigstein. I bet Jules will be pitching in about French success. James Horncastle explaining what's gone on with Juventus. No Real Madrid, Duncan, you'll have spotted this, no Real Madrid or Juventus in the quarterfinals for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, and more importantly, it's ruined my stat about Toy Story and Cristiano Ronaldo. So from 2007 onwards, uh, Ronaldo reached the Champions League semi-finals in every year, except ones when a Toy Story film was released. Um, and obviously there isn't, unless Pixar pull their finger out really quickly, they're not going to uh, get one out this year. So a sad end to that run. Well, we'll get on to events at the Juventus Stadium a little bit later on. Let's begin, though, with the Etihad. Alvaro, this was the game that Duncan and I didn't see, so you're going to tell us all about Man City's latest 2-1 win over Real Madrid. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, take out a 30-day trial to see that unrivaled coverage of each and every Premier League club by heading to theathletic.com slash totally. The same going the other way, and it's not the strongest defenders. Oh, it's a brilliant finish! It's an absolutely outstanding instinctive finish by Gabriel Jesus after yet another mistake by Rafa Varane. So, Alvaro, no Sergio Ramos. It was left to uh, Rafael Varane to lead the defence. And how did that work out for Real Madrid? Very badly, very poorly. And uh, it was a night to forget for Rafael Varane. Unfortunately for him, he did uh, two massive mistakes uh, leading to, to two goals of Manchester City. And uh, basically, the game would have been very different if uh, Rafael Varane uh, wouldn't have been so sloppy. And probably if Real Madrid wouldn't have tried to play the ball from the back, so many times, because if you play the ball from, from the back, you'd better do it with a purpose, with a plan, uh, knowing what to do with it, when to open it to the fullback, when to play long. And Real Madrid just uh, was very unconfident playing from the back and the pressure of Manchester City quickly became a goal for Raheem Sterling uh, in the first half. And uh, yeah, uh, from that moment onwards, uh, Real Madrid uh, tried to have uh, a little bit of more of an attacking input, but always with the same player, Karim Benzema. It's uh, very representative of how Benzema uh, has been important for Real Madrid this season. The fact that in the sequence leading to Benzema's goal, uh, to the equaliser, uh, there were five touches in the last part of the sequence, and Benzema took the first, the third, and the last touch, and he scored a beautiful goal. So he basically built the whole goal altogether with Rodrigo. Mm. That was the one kind of question, I guess, from Man City's performance, the fact that they seemed unaware of Benzema's attacking prowess. I think 
on that goal, the the closest player to him was actually one of his own teammates. Yes, uh, that's it. That, that's very true. And uh, well, at the end of the day, I mean, that may have been like a, a bad move uh, from Manchester City in the in defense because there weren't many defenders only to actually defend the two players like Rodrigo and Benzema. But generally speaking, uh, Manchester City has been much better. Uh, Tonight, and I have to say that their energy levels, uh, they've been better than Real Madrid's one. Uh, players like Casemiro, they were particularly bad. Uh, all the defenders, uh, with the exception of uh, Ferland Mendy, they have done uh, really big mistakes during the game. And I think that uh, not having Sergio Ramos' leadership was something that Real Madrid missed a lot during the game. And also the fact that Real Madrid doesn't score many goals. They had to come back from a bad result in Madrid. And I was checking just before the game the goals that Manchester City has scored this season. And Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, eh, Agüero, who wasn't there, they all scored 20-plus goals this season. In, in Real Madrid, there was only a player who scored 20-plus goals, and it was Karim Benzema. So it was going to be always very difficult for Real Madrid. Eh, and you end up thinking that they should have tried a bit more. I think that Zidane uh, made his substitutions too late in the second half, when it was definitely too late. Real Madrid was already losing 2-1 after another mistake of Varane, uh, capitalized by Gabriel Jesus. And uh, the substitutions came too late. Uh, Benzema was too isolated at the, at the front. And um, I don't understand yet why Vinicius hasn't had a chance. And at the end, yeah, uh, fair play. Manchester City is in the quarterfinals and Real Madrid is out in the last 16 round for the second year in a row, which is slightly concerning because you end up thinking maybe what they've got is enough to, you know, be competitive domestically, but not enough to reign in Europe anymore. Uh, in fact, since uh, Cristiano Ronaldo left, Real Madrid has been out of the competition really soon. And uh, yeah, uh, something has to be done about it. I don't know if there is uh, such a pressure anymore because Real Madrid won La Liga. But Real Madrid is about grandiosity and grandeur. And if they want to get it back, uh, they need to improve their European performances very soon. First time that Zinedine Zidane has been knocked out of the Champions League, either as a player or a manager, since 2006, when it was Arsenal who did it. It was another another world, really. Uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. He's some interesting choices. His knitwear... Uh, on a particularly sultry night in Manchester. And also that front three that he went with, with Sterling out wide, Gabriel Jesus out wide, but Phil Foden in the middle as a false nine. How did that work out? Very well, very well. And I think that that confused a lot, not only the centre-backs, but also Casemiro, James, because uh, we have seen um, an unexpected bad game from uh, the Brazilian midfielder. And I believe that that is down to the fact that uh, the pressure of Manchester City was very good, and uh, then when Manchester City had the ball, they had effectively four midfielders rather than three, as usually, because Phil Foden could drop deep and uh, play the ball as well, and that confused a lot Casemiro. I think that the tactics were fine by Pep Guardiola. They were already very good in Madrid, sending Gabriel Jesus on the left, and today... I think that he out-tactic as well Zinedine Zidane uh, and he was quicker in everything Pep Guardiola at the time of making the right tactical adjustments uh, substitutions as well and uh, I believe that uh, he he was really spot on Guardiola with the tactics today and he took advantage of Real Madrid uh, to the point that uh, at, after the first goal of Raheem Sterling it looked like Manchester City could score tonight three or four goals because they couldn't stop making chances and Real Madrid couldn't, didn't know didn't have a clue of uh, about how to play the ball from the back Well I also think he won the battle before the game even kicked off in a sense because you know to wear that jumper as James mentioned on possibly the warmest night of the entire year 
um, that's a psychological blow. I don't think Zidane really got over. So although great, Sergio Ramos was was representing in the stands with his waistcoat and tie ensemble, that that shouldn't go unnoticed as well. The way they are mimetizing uh, Sergio Ramos and Conor McGregor at the minute is quite impressive ah. as well. Sergio Ramos is like looking more and more like a character lately uh, as the years go by. So this was City's 76th Champions League game tonight um, and they scored their 150th goal, which is the fastest any English team has done that. But they also conceded their 100th, which is also the fastest any English team has done that in the Champions League. And it's kind of like a mini, a mini summary of City in the Champions League. Really. You know, they've... The good going forward, but their defence always looks a little bit shaky. And there were points in the game when Real Madrid could have could have scored more, maybe in the first half. Um, and although they do look good, you do think that this could still hamper them later on in the tournament, particularly when ties are down to a single game, because you know obviously mistakes become a a much more uh, important thing at that stage. Absolutely, Alvaro David Silva's last appearance at the Etihad. This uh, he came on and looked lively. What about Kevin De Bruyne's performance? It was spectacular again and I, I was also listening to the Spanish radio while I was watching the game and they, they were all very complimentary of Kevin De Bruyne and not that uh, they didn't know who he was but uh, you know uh, he made a monumental game in a very big European night and uh, it was uh, not only the, the way he runs the game but uh, it's his mix of uh, physicality, uh, leadership and uh, the amount of passes that he can give and the amount of uh, opponents that he can dribble past that impressed me the most. I think like he was the MVP of the game, maybe altogether with Thibaut Courtois, who had a very difficult night for Real Madrid. But uh, yeah, it was very impressive. A big statement from Kevin De Bruyne and a big statement from Manchester City because I have to say that in the history of this club, especially since the takeover, there hasn't been so many big statements in the European states. I believe that this one against Real Madrid is one of the biggest, believe it or not. I mean, I know they are still in the last 16 round, but they kicked out a team that won 13 European Cups, which is something really big for a team like Manchester City. All due respect to them, but it is. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCumbleAware.org. This is the Totally Summer Special by the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The winning outfit is Manchester City and they will have a date next Saturday in Lisbon with Lyon. Lyon who knocked out Juventus Friday night. Uh, Let's hear now about their latest exploits away in Turin. Uh, We're joined on the line by Julian Laurence and James Horncastle. Jules, a quarter of the last eight are French. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, James. Great, great year for French football. Uh, first time in history that a French club knocks out Juventus as well over, you know, in the knockout stages, both in the Champions League and the, in the UEFA Cup. So it's a hell of an achievement, really. The, the team spirit that Lyon had tonight, they were fantastic. I thought, as a, you know, as a, as a unit, as a collective in the effort and the, the discipline that they have and the organisation. Uh, but you also cannot ignore how, how bad Juventus were again, I thought. Of course not. Le petit... F- as you know them affectionately, 
roaring into the quarterfinals. What do you think about their chances against Man City? I, I asked you this question straight away because I think we might lose you. You're in the bowels of the Juve uh, Stadium and, and you are actually on duty. You might have to go and grab a player for a bit of post-match chat. Yeah, I mean, with one game, 90 minutes, 120 minutes, whatever it is, it's, it's pretty much 50-50. Of course, City are so strong and and the way they play in the second half against Real Madrid tonight, uh, it's hard to see how Lyon can win, but they will play in the same way I think that they did over those two legs against Juventus, quite defensively, well-organised, well-drilled, five at the back, and then see if they can create something. Mm. Or, of course, like they did on those two legs against Man City back a couple of seasons ago when they met in the group stage and, and Lyon won one game and drew the other. Yeah, you are. It was a different team, obviously. They lost three key players who were key players as well on those, on those two nights. But I think the idea, it's a different manager, but the idea of what they, they did against City in that group stage, like you said, is clearly the, the way forward. If you can play behind their, between their line and, and counter quickly and, and put pressure on that defence and especially the, the two centre-backs, or at least the one who is not called Laporte, then you might have a chance. So they, they, they believed that they could do it, and they did. They would believe they could cause another upset against against City um, next week. And, and again, no one would fancy them, but I think they you know they will go for it. All right, George. Well, listen, it, it sounds busy where you are. We'll, we'll, we'll let you get on and uh, look forward to catching up thank with you. you again soon. Cheers. Thank you. Ha! Huh, Julian Laurence, James Horncastle, meanwhile, patiently listening to all of that. And Jules says... We can't ignore how bad Juve were. How bad were they? was La Signora? Well, I don't think they were terrible, um, but they didn't create enough. Um, I think it was Ronaldo um, trying to do it all on his own again, uh, even though we saw Federico Bernadeschi uh, almost score one the goal in the, in the first half. But their backs against were against the wall very early on with that... Uh, Terrible refereeing decision uh, from Felix Weyer, the, the German referee who saw a penalty that just wasn't there uh, against Rodrigo Bentancur. He also then saw another penalty, which I, I don't think should have been given, um, which allowed Juventus to get back into the game. But uh, overall, I think while it did feel at one point that it was going to be another epic night uh, for C- Cristiano, it's clear that uh, Cristiano is, is not enough on his own to get Juventus into Champions League winning contention because that was what it felt like when they signed him two years ago. Um, I was there at his unveiling and there were fans outside singing, you know, bring us the champions, bring us the champions, as though he was the missing piece. Um, and instead, you know, he's upheld his side of the bargain. He scored the hat-trick um, to rescue them at this stage last year against Atletico Madrid. He scored in both legs against Ajax. He scored uh, twice tonight, probably could have had a hat-trick. Mm. Um, One of those goals was an absolutely magnificent strike as well. Yeah, uh, the second goal, outstanding um, from distance. Uh, I think it was on his weaker foot as well. Um, and Anthony Lopez, who produced a really good save from a, a Ronaldo free kick also in early in the, in the first half, couldn't do anything about that one. Um, but overall, there is this feeling that Juventus have regressed in Europe um, you know, since he's been at the club, which I don't think is... Is any fault of his own, but to have gone out in the quarters last year to Ajax, who were a revelation, but in terms of budget, resources, um, you could even say overall talent, um, don't compare or didn't compare with Juventus. And even worse now, to go out in the round of 16 to 
an honest Leon side who have got some very good young players like Awa and you saw again um, the player who just I think had only came into the Leon side what eight games ago Kakare um, who was very good in midfield for them but again no comparison when it comes to budget resource they they've essentially been knocked out twice by teams that do not figure um, among the favourites um, and I think you know that raises serious questions. Not only about Maurizio Sarri, but I think about the the squad that's been assembled, how they've run the club over the last two years, um, because they seem further away than they were to winning the Champions League. They seem further away now than they were two years ago to winning the Champions League. Yeah, I don't think you can blame Ronaldo, but the fact is he's not the player he was five, definitely ten years ago. He he plays like a kind of luxury Kevin Davis now. He stands up front <laughs> and you know he does. He will bang in a goal like that that second goal tonight, but he he makes the team play in a certain way, I think. And you know they're a lot less dynamic than they were two years ago. And this idea that you could just bring in Ronaldo because he's got this incredible record of winning Champions Leagues that it would automatically transfer over, um, it was never going to be the case. And, and so it's proved. James, I imagine a lot of the questions on this Saturday morning will centre around Maurizio Sarri. There had been hints that. His future wasn't secure there, that it might depend on what happens with Leon. Five months ago, when the first leg didn't go their way, he afterwards was talking about how bemused he was at the team's lack of movement, lack of pace. And it, it seems a bit damning that, that, that after all these months later, that it was a kind of similar performance again, certainly for the first half of the game tonight. Yeah, I suppose. I think he would say that there was a pandemic in the middle of it all and we're still going through it. But and for, for Leon kept... as well, they, had, they they played one game in, in five months. Yeah, so uh, on the one hand, you have Sari saying, uh, we went into this game really tired. Um, we've had, uh, what was it, 14 games in a very short space of time. We've lost players to injury like Paolo Dybala, for example. Dybala got injured in the Sampdoria game. He didn't start this one. He came off and had to go off. 14 minutes later and then you've got Leon who in in theory should be rusty um, but you could also look at it the other way and say they were fresher and um, they did look more dynamic but I do think that dynamism has something to do with what Duncan was touching on there about you know can you play the kind of football that Maurizio Sarri wants to play with an individual like Cristiano Ronaldo in the team um, you know I, I think it's, it's very difficult which again raises questions about the club and these kind of incoherent decisions not maybe so much in, in, in signing Ronaldo but in then appointing a coach with the characteristics of Maurizio Sarri um, to replace Max Allegri but just to go back to what you were saying about that first leg um, James, because I do think it's 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 one of the things that will be used against Sarri is he said, um, you know, I've been trying to tell the team that they need to play the ball quicker, they need to pass it around quicker, and I just can't get my ideas across. I think when a manager says something like that, um, what, six or seven months into the job as he was then, um, that's, that's pretty telling um, and pretty damning that they're either unwilling to listen or they're, they're incapable of, of, of playing the kind of football that he wants. Um, and I think, ultimately, that will decide his fate. Um, so I'm very curious to see what Juventus do at the moment, um, because even though they've kind of said on a couple of occasions uh, a few weeks ago that he would absolutely be in charge of the team next season, um, over the last few days, that, that feels like it's changed. Um, and even he... Sarri in his pre-match press conference was saying that, uh, 
you know, ultimately it will not be a performance in this game that decides my future. They will have already made up their minds. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what decision they've come to, James. There was also that sort of strange incident at the end when Sarri was caught on camera shouting, it's a shame, in English. Uh, I'm not sure what he meant or was referring to. It's kind of a motif for 2020 overall, really. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> this would be uh, shame as in uh, vergogna, I think, yes. as opposed to that's a pity. You know, you should right. be ashamed of yourself. I imagine the referee might have been in, in You're shot. absolutely right. That's who he was aiming it at, yeah. Mm. Well, there you go. Juve out. Leon are taking on Man City next Saturday. Who's going to go through from this Saturday's games? We'll talk about that next. You're listening to the Totally Summer Special by the Totally Football Show. Sponsored by Paddy Power. Yep, Saturday's games. Barcelona taking on Napoli. Bayern Munich welcome Chelsea, who's 3-0 down from the first leg at the bridge. Clearly have no chance. Mind you, they said that the last time the Blues went to Munich, eh? And look what happened then. It's 2012. That's why we're playing the Monkeys. Chelsea had been having one of their seasons. Sixth place finishes in the league, firing manager Andre villas boas in March, but somehow, improbably, making it past Barcelona and into the Champions League final. Here, they faced Bayern Munich in Bayern's own stadium. The Bavarians managed by the legendary Jupp Heynckes, Chelsea by part-time chip shop owner and former blue Roberto Di Matteo. Everyone expected them to get battered. They held out for 82 minutes, but then... Chelsea wesentlich sind freier Müller! Thomas Muller breaking the deadlock. Bayern 1-0 up against an English side in the dying moments of a Champions League final. No way is this going wrong again. But then, with the last kick of the 90 in his last game for Chelsea, who else but... Into extra time and drug it. Didier has conceded a penalty. Up steps Ian Robin. Yes, and so was the shootout. Czech versus Neuer. Chelsea beaten on penalties in the final four years before, but this time after Schweinsteiger's error... Schweinsteiger did Fosten! The decisive kick going again to Didier Drogba. Wow, what a night for Chelsea. Ahead of their next visit, we're joined by Raphael Honigstein. Hi, Rafa. Hi, James. Rafa, I'm thinking it, you're thinking it, Bayern are thinking it, payback. <laughs> I don't know if payback is really at the forefront of their mind. Hardly any survivors from that game in the team. But it's more a case of think managing what is already a fantastic result um, or scoreline from the first leg easing yourself back into the competition after this mini break. As you know, um, Bayern finished their season at the beginning of June, so they've had a holiday and a bit of a pre-season, and their game comes almost sort of as, as a start, the start of a new season rather at the end of the old one. 
And um, it was interesting to listen to Hassan Salihamidzic, the sports director, yesterday saying that they're still kind of fine-tuning and honing some of the coordination, especially in defence, um, where they had to make a change in the right-back spot, as you know. Mm. Well, that's one of the question marks, I guess, over Bayern's form, not just in this game, but potentially going forward. Having said that, they did come out of their last layoff, which was even longer, in pretty excellent form when the Bundesliga restarted. Yeah, they won every single game, both in the league and in the cup. Um, they've won all games in 2020, apart from one draw against Leipzig, which they could have also won. So I think people have looked at their form, people have looked at some of the games that they played and 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 feel that, that they're favourites to win the competition. I think there's a good chance, but I also think that the draw and the, the way that the uh, Champions League worked this year doesn't really do them any favours because the best teams, I think, have a bigger chance of going out unlike a normal season where they have two games to bring their superiority to bear over 180 minutes. Over 90 minutes, even Bayern Munich can, can easily lose, I think, against the Barcelona, uh, certainly against the City or Real Madrid in, in a possible semi-final. Maybe not so much against Chelsea because I just don't see them conceding four goals on Saturday night. Of course, anything can happen, uh, Rafa, as the tournament progresses. But for all the praise they've received... Is there not also a bit of a sense that people haven't yet realised just how good this Bayern team are? All the goals they score, the incredible success they've had under Hansi Flick. Lewandowski on 51 goals for the season. You've got Muller back in form, Nabry, Davis looking incredible, Manuel Neuer back to his best. I mean, they are very good. And I don't think there's any, any doubt about that or any discussion. Are there quite as good as they were back in February where they dismantled Chelsea at Stamford Bridge? I'm not sure. I think they reached the peak of their powers before lockdown. They came up very strong, but you saw some of the games. They were quite edgy. The Dortmund game, I think, could have gone either way. Yes, Bayern triumphed as they have done in recent years, but I don't think they had quite the same fluidity and quite the same sort of irresistible dimension to their game as they did before the coronavirus break. But of course... Other teams have bigger issues, have bigger problems. Uh, Personnel-wise, with the exception of, of Pavard, who might come back in the quarterfinal or semifinal, there's an outside chance. They are at full strength, even though Kingsley Coleman might not, might not make the game against uh, Chelsea. So it is definitely a strong squad, very strong starting eleven. And yes, the, the favourite tag is warranted. But I also feel that maybe, in Germany at least, um, it's been a little bit overblown because people have seen them play a lot. And I don't think I've paid that much attention to the likes of Manchester City, who I think have considerable qualities that Bayern might have to grapple with. And Robert Lewandowski, will he play, Rafa? Because he's had a phenomenal season so far and he's six goals off the Champions League scoring record, which sounds like a lot. But then he did score four in one game against Red Star earlier on in this season. And he is facing particularly, if he does play, a particularly ropey looking Chelsea defence. He will definitely play. Um, the plan, as far as we know, is to play the strongest possible eleven by Hansi Flick. Maybe, you know, if they see that they can get the job done early, they might give one or two players a rest. But Lewandowski often hates it when he has to come off early or is being rested because he is one of those players, um, I guess like many centre-forwards are, who just wants to play and score all the time. And that record might be at the back of his mind. I think he also wants to... Uh, stake a claim for individual honours. Yes, there's no Ballon d'Or, but I think FIFA and UEFA still give out awards and I think he's absolutely desperate to be recognised at an individual level. 
and will do his utmost to to shine once more, um, knowing that you know everyone in football will be watching over the next few games. Raphael Honig's time. Well, Bayern Munich's clash with Chelsea is coming up on Saturday evening. Very shortly, we'll be talking about the other game going on uh, later on today, which is Barcelona against Napoli. First of all, though, here's Lee Price. Good morning, good evening. I've no idea what time it is anymore, especially as we pre-record these. Now, I don't want to be neggy, Chelsea fans. You've had plenty to sing about this season, finishing fourth, the FA Cup, uh, Kepa being dropped, but you might be better served watching the other game tomorrow night. The numbers don't look promising, put it that way. It's 50-1 to that Chelsea go through. How about this for context? We do not offer an equivalent price for Bayern. That's how sealed a deal we think it is. As for the second leg, generally, Bayern are 2-5 to win that. Chelsea 11-2 to to get a pride-restoring victory. But as I say, Barca and Napoli could be where it's at. Finally poised, we make Barcelona the favourites to win both on the night and to go through. But their end-of-season domestic form isn't exactly reassuring, is it? So, could Napoli be value? They're 4-1 to to win the second leg, or 21-10 to to qualify, with Barcelona 8-13 to win on the night and 4-11 to to go through. Enjoy. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate. At the time of recording, it's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Excitement galore. Saturday evening in Catalonia as Barcelona and Napoli face off for their place in the last 16. Two clubs that have had major off-field issues this season. Napoli have bounced back from theirs, uh, winning the Italian Cup, amongst other things. Have Barcelona, Alvaro, what's the situation with Messi and co? I think that these two weeks have been glorious for Barcelona to just to regroup, to rest a little bit and to try to get as many players fit as possible because they are traveling or they are playing this game, sorry, at Camp Nou with uh, 13 uh, first squad men. But at the same time, the players needed a, needed a rest after a, a season in which Valverde was sacked, after a season in which uh, uh, there is an investigation about the... Barcelona's board uh, just doing some negative PR in social media of some players, you know, many things have happened and it all comes down to the point now that Champions League will be the decider. They didn't win La Liga this season, they come into the Champions League with a lot of pressure and um, with plenty of injuries as well because some Titi and Dembélé won't be there, also Martin Braithwaite uh, cannot be sign in for the UEFA Champions League because he was signing back in February. Artur Melo decided not to return to Barcelona's camp, so he won't be playing anymore this season, presumably. And uh, Arturo Vidal and Sergio Busquets, they carry suspensions. So this is a very weakened Barcelona against Napoli that I believe uh, they've got the physicality, the vitality and the optimism to really hurt Barcelona. The question now is, uh, what Barcelona are we going to see uh, at Camp Nou? Are we going to see the Barcelona that uh, marveled everyone against Villarreal? Because they did it back in July, and that was a very nice Barcelona with Antoine Griezmann playing head of Lionel Messi, all together with Luis Suárez, and he did very well. Or are we going to see the Barcelona that we have seen normally after the restart, which is a Barcelona slow, relying too much on Messi, uh, with plenty of disadjustments in the midfield, uh, with the incapacity to attack quickly. Well, there are two versions of Barcelona. I really think that it's more likely that we see the bad version of Barcelona, unfortunately. But at the same time, Champions League at the Camp Nou, with Barcelona getting a positive score at San Paolo, well, it should be Barcelona going through. Uh, logic says that, even though there are very little... Uh, 
reasons to believe in Barcelona if you check the history. It's normal to think that Barcelona will go through to the quarterfinals, but after that, it's difficult to have a lot of expectation with them. Right. They haven't lost a Champions League fixture uh, there at home in nearly a decade. And of course, this is all they have now. Uh, knocked out of the of the cup, losing the title to Real Madrid. It's all about, particularly after their semi-final collapse to Liverpool last season, it's all about a good run in the Champions League. Napoli, uh, meanwhile, James, Alvaro was just talking about their physicality, but we, we saw Sevilla against Roma. The two weeks of extra rest that the Liga side in that clash on Thursday had seemed to do wonders for their uh, vivacity in the game. Juve as well looking a little bit sluggish on Friday night. Do you, are you concerned for how, how informed Napoli are going to be in this one? A little bit. I'm concerned about uh, the fitness of Lorenzo Insigne um, because although I think he trained fully today, um, which something that Paolo Dybala didn't do, um, he has yet to basically tell Rina Gattuso whether he feels like he's up to playing or not. Um, and it's been... Uh, very good under Gattuso, reborn, um, if you like. Um, so we might end up seeing Irving Lozano, um, who was their record signing uh, last summer, who has done a little bit better um, since the, the team has come out of lockdown, um, but still hasn't really lived up to expectations that were set for him. I think the thing to be positive about uh, Napoli is I don't think there's any pressure on them going into this game. Um, Gattuso today was saying that it's an advantage that they're playing at the Camp Nou and there are no fans because there's nothing to really intimidate them. There, there aren't going to be 90,000 um, Barcelona supporters uh, cheering and, and chanting against them. Um, and they have shown themselves uh, able to uh, to rise to the big occasions, at least domestically under Gattuso. Um, they've got a very fine... Uh, record in the cup competitions, put out the holders, Lazio, put out Inter, put out Juventus in the final. Um, so I don't think they'll be um, afraid. Um, and they've acquired a lot of experience in Europe over the last, uh, certainly over the last five years um, as well. And I think that the group of players that they've got are mature. I don't think the physical aspect of, of tomorrow's game will be a problem. I think that the, the problem will come in in, in, in whether... Uh, Messi is, is is on form or not um, because ultimately I think if, if, if he is it's hard for anyone to stop him um, if he's not then this dysfunctional Barcelona side is beatable um, and uh, and I, th I, I would back them to score um, tomorrow night so I'm kind of confident even though you look at history and, and Barcelona haven't lost at the Camp Nou in the Champions League uh, for a long long time um, but um, I'm quietly optimistic, James. Mm. Duncan, what's going to happen? Well, I think it would be nice if uh, if Napoli can get through. They've never been to the quarterfinals of this competition, which when you think of... be quite neat, I think, because obviously Lionel Messi playing the team that Maradona dragged to the two titles. Um, but Maradona never really got to, to strut his stuff in the European Cup. It's... Uh, it remains baffling that Titus Bramble played as many European Cup games as Diego Maradona, which... <laughs> feels like a mismatch so while Messi's obviously waited quite a while to add another Champions League I think the the romantic would would like to see Napoli go through how romantic are you feeling Alvaro not very romantic but I've got uh, a little bit of romanticism for Barcelona's academy and I think that uh, on Saturday there is a chance that Kike Setien finally just because he's obliged to do so he put into practice his principles, keeping the possession of the ball and giving uh, 
chances to players uh, who, who know, you know, how to play the ball nicely, technically. And there are two in Barcelona's uh, squad, Enrique uh, and Ansu Fati, that if they have a chance, maybe they can add in Barcelona a little bit of that electricity that is lost since Lionel Messi turned 30-something, Luis Suárez uh, turns 30-something as well. Some players are getting old and uh, new blood is needed. And I believe that against Napoli, Kike Setien has a chance, you know, to refresh a little bit the squad with young players. And if they end up beating Napoli, or who knows if uh, making it through the quarterfinals, if he does it with the new players, that will be probably the most positive thing that we can take from this Barcelona season. Well, whoever does go through will be facing a Bayern Munich or Chelsea in the quarterfinals. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, brilliant. That's it for today's Totally Football Show summer special, though. So many thanks, James Horncastle, and to Alvaro Romeo and Duncan Alexander, and to Julian Laurent somewhere there in Turin. Oh, and also Raphael Honigstein, who joined us previously uh, you as well listener thanks for uh, being with us on this Saturday we'll be back Sunday morning too running up all the Saturday evening action for now though from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.